Well, hey, Hope City, it's great to be with you as we continue our series on John the Baptist and looking at his life and looking to be inspired by his life, representing Jesus in our own world, stepping out of our comfort zone, being radical in our own way, whatever it is, but being like John and boldly taking steps to point people to Jesus. And last week we talked about John being what? What did we talk about? Do you remember? He was a prophet. Next week, John is a pariah and a prisoner. Today, we're talking about John being a participant. John was a participant in what God was doing, and we all want to be participants. We want to be participants in all kinds of different things. Think about it. When you sign up for a cooking class, do you want to just sit there and eat? No. For some reason, you signed up for a cooking class because you want to do, you want to chop, you want to participate, you want to sprinkle the salt on things, right? When you sign up for a softball league, do you really want to just sit on the bench and watch the game? No. You sign up for softball to play in the game. You attend a paint night. You ever done one of those paint nights? Those are fun, right? You sit there, you got your easel, your canvas, your paint, your brushes, all this. You don't do it to look at art. You don't do it to watch someone uh, paint a painting. You do it so that you can participate, so that you can engage in what's happening. And what's interesting is sometimes when we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to following Jesus. Well, we can kind of take this passive step back into the scenery and say, yeah, I'll just, I'll just watch all this godly stuff, all this spiritual stuff. I'll just observe while all the spiritual people do it. And yet, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we're not meant to be spectators. We're meant to be participants. The kingdom of God is active. God is alive. The Holy Spirit has empowered his church to go and spread the gospel, to engage with its community, to make an impact in this world, share truth, be a part of change, walk with people on their journeys. Like the Holy Spirit is actively a part of our life so that we could go participate in what God is up to. We're meant to be participants, not spectators, not consumers. God wants us to be involved in his work in this world, just like with John. When you look at the life of John, he's a participant in God's plans. He gets to participate in that. And one of the moments, one of the most uh, key moments in John's ministry was when he got to baptize Jesus. Think about that. He baptizes the Son of God. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 17, we see this story told uh, through the, through the uh, author Matthew. This is what it says. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting, and lightning on him, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son who I am well pleased. You see, John gets to participate in this holy moment, in this very spiritual moment, Jesus' baptism. And let's be clear, Jesus' baptism is not because Jesus was confessing his sin. It was not a baptism of repentance like all the followers of John. This was a moment of commencement, a moment of beginning. This was anointing the, the, the launch of Jesus' ministry. The Holy Spirit comes upon him, and Jesus does this in this way of humility, to come be baptized by a man. It's an act of humility. It's an act of purity. It's an act of cleansing. It is an act of launching Jesus into his ministry. It's like the dinner bell being rung. It's like the New Year's ball being dropped for New Year's at Times Square. It's like a starter's pistol to a race. Boom! We're kicking off this ministry. And John got to be a part of this incredible moment. 
I got to witness the Holy Spirit coming down from heaven. I got to hear the voice of God. This is my son who I am well pleased in. John got to see that. What's interesting is John kind of falls into this tendency that some of us do, which is to stay, take that step back, right? Jesus comes up to the river, goes to get into the water, and John's like, hey, hey, you should be baptizing me, I, not the other way, right? It got that tendency to pull back. I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. Who am I to participate in this? And yet Jesus tells him, this needs to happen. This is going to happen. I want you to participate in God's plans. The idea that we would engage in what God is doing is exciting. It should be, it should be uh, something that invigorates us and gives us an energy, right? We get to be a part of what God wants to do. And, and, and when we hear sermons about this, and, and I've probably preached these messages at times, there's a challenge for us to take a step out of our comfort zone, pop the bubble, right? Do something radical, take a big step of faith. You want to walk on water? You got to get out of the boat. And when we look at John's life, we, we can see that. John was radical. John was out of the ordinary. John did things that were trailblazing and took big steps of faith. But as we look at John's life for a moment, we're going to look at another text out of the Gospel of John, and it challenges us in a new way. Not to always be radical, like to go do amazing things for God. you got to be crazy, awesome, and incredibly spiritual. But what John's going to show us in his life is that to be used by God, to be a part of what God wants to do in this world, is sometimes just about being faithful in the little things being consistent in doing what God has called you to do and doing faithfully what God has told you to do. Well, let's look at this moment. In John chapter one, starting in verse 29, Jesus shows up and, and, and this is after the baptism. After John has dunked him in the water and everything, Jesus went and spent 40 days in the wilderness, fasting, praying, facing temptation. Jesus shows back up on the scene and so it's been over a month now, and John sees Jesus in the crowd. He sees Jesus at a distance, and he points at him and says this, John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So imagine John is just walking along with his disciples and boom, he spots Jesus. Hey, hey, there he is, right? You ever see somebody famous in, in, in a crowd? It's, it's really quite an exhilarating feeling. Like I once saw Steve Poole at a movie theater. Oh, there's the weatherman, Steve Poole, there he is, right? John sees Jesus, hey, there he is. Look at him, guys. That's the guy that I've been telling you about. That's the one who is the Lamb of God. He is the sacrifice for our sins. He's the one that's going to bring freedom for our brokenness and our bondage and our sin. That's the one we want to follow. Then he goes on in verse 31. Let's continue on in the text. It'll be up on the screen. I myself did not know him. This is John speaking. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that, I might, that he might be revealed to Israel. The reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, let's pause there for a moment because this statement seems a little unusual. And, and why is it unusual? It's because John and Jesus are actually cousins. These guys are related. John's mom, Elizabeth, and, and Jesus' mom, Mary, know each other. They are related. In fact, when both of them are pregnant, they hang out together. We see that in the Gospel of Luke. They, can, they hang out. They spend time with one another. So John is standing there with his disciples, pointing at Jesus saying, I didn't know him. Wait a second, what? You didn't know him? He's your cousin Jesus. You're his cousin Johnny. 
How do you not know each other? And I'm sure they knew each other in a familial sense. I knew they, that they had to have, uh, have been familiar in that capacity because that word know, when he says, I myself did not know him, in the original language, that word know brings a full comprehension to his identity is unknown. That he was Jesus. He was his cousin. But he wasn't the Messiah in John's eyes. At that point, he didn't understand. He hadn't connected those dots. It's kind of like in the comic books, the people of Metropolis. They know Clark Kent at the Daily Planet, but they don't know that Clark Kent is Superman. John knows his cousin Jesus, but he doesn't realize that the Messiah is also his cousin Jesus, that they are the same guy. And so he says in verse 31, this is the reason I came to baptize with water, that it would be revealed to Israel this is the Messiah. This is the chosen one. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is a huge reason why John is baptizing with water. It's not just this action step to his message of repentance. Oh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We talked about that last week. Get baptized as an action step to this responsive message. But why is he baptizing? What does he say? That through the baptism, the water baptisms, at some point Israel's going to be able to identify that's the guy. That's the Messiah. And water baptism was going to be the avenue in which God was going to reveal this to John and to all the people. And so John keeps talking about this. And in verse 32 through 34, he continues to just give us a glimpse and understanding of what he's been doing and why he's been doing it. Verse 32, he says, Then John gave this testimony. I I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. So John is telling his disciples, hey, let me take you back. The whole reason I started water baptizing was because God told me, as you baptize, eventually, I'm going to reveal that's the guy. When the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove and rests on someone, one of these people that you're dunking, as you're dunking all these people, one of them is going to be the Messiah. And as you're doing this, the Holy Spirit will rest upon them, and you will know that's the man that's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's the Messiah. That's the chosen one. There it is. It's like this giant arrow from heaven pointing down for John. Like, this is the guy, right? And he's getting his attention in this way. I'll give you a, a very crude parallel or illustration. It's as if John wouldn't be able to see, you remember Wonka bars in the Charlie Chocolate Factory, right? And they had all these Wonka bars looking for golden tickets, right? From the outside of the Wonka bar in the wrapper, you couldn't tell where the golden ticket is. So you had to keep opening Wonka bars in order to get to what? The golden ticket. So John wouldn't have found this golden ticket except for God said, open up all the Wonka bars. Baptize people and you will find the golden ticket. You will find the Messiah by baptizing all of these people. You're not going to be able to see them just by looking around because the Messiah is going to be hidden to sight. The golden ticket's kind of hidden behind the wrapper, if you will. But with each Wonka bar that is opened, John anticipated finding the golden ticket. With each Wonka bar that was opened, John anticipated finding the golden ticket. With each baptism, he anticipated finding the Messiah. With each baptism, there's an excitement that this could be the one. This this could be the the, the Messiah that God has anticipated and and told us about. I'm hopeful in that. 
that eventually one of these people that he is submerging into the water is going to come up, have the Holy Spirit rest upon him, and God's going to say, there, it is. there he is. This is the guy to follow. And I want us to think about this for a moment because this is, this is the huge takeaway when it comes to being a participant in what God wants to do in our lives. It's about being faithful in what God has told us to do. And I want you to think for yourself, what has God told you to do? I'm guessing it is not baptized in the river until he reveals the Messiah. We don't have the same instruction that John was told. But what has God told us to do as people? Think about that for a moment. What, what are the things that God has called us to do, told us to do, commanded us to live out? There are a couple of simple statements that we can think of. The greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? To be devoted to God with my emotions, my thoughts, my body, my entire being, all of that. That's one thing God has told me to do. Love him with all of my being. Be devoted to him with all of my being. Right? Secondly, what's another thing? To love my neighbor as myself. That's something that God has called me to do on a daily, regular basis. Right? It's to love my neighbor as myself. And, and Jesus says, what, is, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, it means to lay down your life for them. It means to prioritize them, to put them first, to lay down yourself for the sake of someone else. And, and Jesus challenges us too. Who is our neighbor? Anyone. Anyone is our neighbor. Everyone is our neighbor, right? People you like are your neighbors. People you don't like are your neighbors. All people are your neighbors. Well, so God is telling us to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbors ourselves, and to also what? Go into all the world and make disciples. That's something we're told to do. Right? John is told to go and baptize people that the Messiah might be revealed. You and I are called to do what? Love God, love people, and go make disciples. Go share the message of Jesus with people. Walk with them in their journey. These are things that God tells us to do consistently, faithfully, even daily. We are called to live this out. And I want you to think about what does that look like? What are the small things that God has, has called you to do faithfully, consistently, and even daily that fall within those, those three paradigms of loving God, loving people, and making disciples? Because we're all called to do that. I don't care who you are. If you're saying yes to Jesus, we're all called to participate in that, to engage with that. And think about what, it, what are ways that God has called you or told you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm thinking about that for myself and and some of the, some of the ways that I, I live that out, some of the ways that God has inspired or prompted me to do that is spending time with him regularly, reading scripture, praying, worshiping, things like that. How about honoring God with my money? That's a way that I love God with all of my being. I consistently and faithfully give back to him. Turning to him when I'm stressed, when I'm feeling anxious, that I stop and take time to pray and talk with him about it. Uh, honoring God with, with my confession, when I sin, when I'm broken, when I make mistakes, that I turn to him, right? That's one way that I consistently and regularly love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. To be faithful in confessing, faithful in giving, faithful in my devotions, faithful in my prayer, things like that. What, what, what about loving your neighbors yourself? How do we do that faithfully, consistently, even daily? I think about my own context. I want you to answer it for yourself, but I'll, I'll share, you know, for myself, that's, that's loving my wife, honoring my wife, cherishing her, prioritizing her, loving my kids. It's equipping my kids, preparing them for life, raising them up to love Jesus and, and follow Jesus. It's 
prioritizing other people. It's listening to people, serving people, volunteering. It's doing all those. That's how I love my neighbors. I put my neighbor first. I take time to spend with them, to pray with them, to care about them. These are things that God has challenged me to do, and if I'm not doing it, I feel like I'm living in disobedience to those things that he's called me to do. That's how I live out that statement, to love my neighbor as myself. And then the last one, go and make disciples, right? Kind of revisiting that idea of what does it look like for me to go make disciples? Again, this might look different in your world, but for me, where I feel challenged is to preach and teach the Bible. I consistently do that. It's a part of the the call on my life. It's part of the role that I play. It's part of the job that I have and the influence that I have, the position I have, right? Is to preach and teach the Bible, that I faithfully do that, consistently do that. Caring for people in our church. Man, that's that's something God has called me to do and said, Sean, you need to do this. You need to care about people in your church. You need to serve our city, love our city, partner with our city. Those are ways that I can go and make disciples, right? These are things that God has put on my heart. I'll give you one very practical one, a step that God has said, I want you to be faithful in this, is giving an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus regularly. You may often hear at the end of our messages that invitation to say, do you want to say yes to Jesus right now? That is something God has put on my heart to say, I want you to make that available, that at almost any time possible, somebody could say yes to following Christ. That's a part of the... The, the challenge that I have to go and make disciples and the influence that God's given me and the, and the action step that that is. Now, it's gonna look different for you because you're not pastoring Hub City Church. You're not married to my wife. You're not raising my kids, right? <laughs> but what does it look like in your life? What are the small things God has told you to do faithfully, consistently, even daily? They were looking at John's life and seeing he was faithful in baptizing people. God had said, John, go baptize. And as you do that, I'm going to reveal who the Messiah is. Go be faithful in this. And John was faithful. Not to just wait till the Messiah showed up. He was faithful to baptize and baptize and baptize and baptize and baptize. Think about the countless, numerous number of people that he baptized that we never heard about. We don't read about. We don't know about. God has called us to be faithful in things when nobody else is looking. Called us to be faithful when nobody else is paying attention, when it's never going to get posted on Instagram. But he's called us to be people who are faithful in the small things and the big things. doesn't matter. But he's called us to be faithful in a lot of different things. But it all kind of boils down to those three ideas. Loving God, loving people, and making disciples. It's going to get fleshed out, lived out in a variety of ways and very practical steps. But like John, we are called to be faithful people. I want to illustrate that faithfulness. You know, one thing that is very soothing and relaxing, even mesmerizing, is water, right? I know that seems weird. Not like a glass of water. This is not mesmerizing to me. That's refreshing, but it's not, <laughs> it's not calming. I mean going down to a river, standing at the ocean and seeing the waves crashing, right? You go to a waterfall, and you see this. You go down to like Snoqualmie Falls, and you see the waterfalls, and the water just crashing down. You go down to Skagit River and just see the water flowing, and there's just something calming, mesmerizing. And I was thinking about, thinking about that. And I recently had gone on a walk and just took some time and, and just kind of stared and zoned out and prayed and, and just kind of watching the water go and realizing this thing never stops. This river is just constantly flowing. Like it's, it's flowing while I'm here, but I'm going to walk away I'm going to go home, 
And it's going to continue to flow. It's going to continue to go. You go visit a, a, a waterfall. It's flowing while you're there, but when you leave, it's still flowing. It's still going. When you go to the ocean, you see the waves crashing. Oh, man, this is incredible. This is majestic. This is mesmerizing. Well, they don't just stop. They eventually just keep going and going and going and going and going. And, and what I'm saying here is that the flowing of the water, the, there's, a, there's a level of faithfulness there, consistency. It keeps going, whether somebody is there taking a selfie behind it or not, whether you're watching it or not, that water continues to flow. And I think John's ministry is one where regardless of whether it looked fruitful and it felt rewarding and he got all the accolades or whatever, he continued to be faithful like that river, just flowing. He continued to baptize, baptize, baptize. We are called to be faithful, to be faithful, to be faithful. But I understand that's difficult. Understand that's not always inspiring or easy. And there's a question of what keeps you going. What keeps you to be faithful in that, to be consistent in those things? And I want us to think about John for a moment, because we've talked about for, for a few moments here, about how John is just continuing to baptize, 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 baptize. Right? What keeps him going? Think about the maybe hundreds or even thousands of people that he would have baptized, and they weren't the Messiah. The Messiah never, you know, the, the clouds didn't part. Think about how many people he dunked thinking, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh. But he kept going. He kept doing it. He didn't give up. And there's something inspiring there thinking about John's story. Thinking about the numerous people that he baptized, and with each baptism there's an anticipation. There's a hope. A hope that this could be the one. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Understanding John's motives are pure, right? John doesn't look to this and say, well, if I just keep baptizing, I'm gonna manipulate God. I'm gonna make God, I'm gonna force his hand. I'm gonna reveal the Holy Spirit's dissension upon the, the, the Messiah by doing my part and making God do this. No, he's not trying to control God. He's not trying to manipulate God. And I, I think we have to be careful because sometimes in church, our language and our message gets distorted and we begin to think, well, if I do this, if I'm faithful in this, I'm gonna control God's outcome and I'm gonna get God to do what I want. We begin to view God as a, as a vending machine. If I put in enough coins and if I press the right buttons, if I shake it a little bit, bingo, I get what I want from God. God's not a vending machine. John isn't treating God as a vending machine. John is a man of humility. He's a man of obedience. He's a man of service. And he's a man of faithfulness. His participation is about obeying what God has called him to do, being faithful to what God has asked of him. Eventually, in the middle of John's faithfulness, what happens? God is faithful to his promise. John is faithful, 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 and then God is fruitful. You see, John is hopeful that God is going to be faithful, that eventually the Messiah is going to be revealed. I'm going to be faithful and continuing to baptize, continuing to baptize, continuing to baptize. And John is anticipating, he's anticipating that God will be fruitful not for himself and his own glory, but for the glory of God and for the glory of the Messiah coming. And I think that that's a great reminder and the great takeaway from all of this is that we are to be faithful, 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 and then God is fruitful. Say that right now. Faithful, faith. Come on, join in with me. Faithful, 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 and then God is fruitful. One more time. Can you do it one more time? Come on. You could do it one more time, right? We are to be 
faithful, 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 faithful. And God is going to be fruitful. God is the one that is fruitful. I don't want to challenge us to think, when was the last time we obeyed God with that kind of anticipation, that kind of expectation, that kind of hope? That we weren't obedient out of just routine and monotony and habit. We didn't do the right thing because we were dragging our feet begrudgingly like a little kid going to the dentist. But with this anticipation that, man, oh man, God could show up. This could be a holy moment. For John, every time he put somebody in the water, there had to be that thought, this could be the one. Every moment is a holy moment for John because every moment is that opportunity to say, God could show up. And even if the Messiah wasn't revealed, well, this is a person that responded to the message of repentance. This is somebody that was turning their heart towards God. That's exciting right there. The consolation is even great, right? We look at it and say, well, well God didn't show up in the same way he promised. Well, yeah, but a life was still changed. John got to enjoy that and participate in that and engage in that. And to think for ourselves, when we get to obey, when we get to engage in what God has called us to do, when we get to be faithful in these little moments and anticipating God's going to show up. Think about it. Faithfully, faithfully going to work and honoring your rude boss. Every day, honoring them, honoring them, respecting them. Not talking bad about them, but faithfully going to work and honoring that rude boss, anticipating that one day God's going to get a hold of their heart. They're going to see Jesus in your actions and the way you treat them. Faithfully opening up your Bible, not begrudgingly, as holy homework, but you're faithfully opening your Bible, faithfully every day just jumping into it, anticipating today God could speak to me. God could reveal something to me faithfully volunteering and serving. I remember as a youth pastor, there were those, man, oh man, there were some moments where you're just faithfully every Wednesday showing up to youth group. And you'd see the same students, the same students, the same, and you just hang out and show up and hang out and show up and hang out and show up. And we were faithful to just be there with these students. And then eventually, at some point, that student turned to you and asked you a question about Jesus. And you're like, whoa, you don't want to talk about Nintendo or the Seahawks or whatever? You want to talk about Jesus? Boom. You see, God is faithful. Faithfully showing up. Faithfully pursuing him. Faithfully obeying what he's doing. And God is going to be fruitful. John's role as a participant is to be obedient. You see, John's role is, as a participant is all about obedience. And God's role as a participant is the outcome. God's job was revealing the Messiah. God's job is changing people's hearts and minds, changing lives. God's job is making a difference in the world. God's job is healing. God's job is answering those prayers. Right? Our part is to consistent, consistently do what he's called us to do. To do what he said. Love God. Love people. Make disciples. Let's do that faithfully. And then learn to trust him to take care of the rest. Think about how freeing that is. Think about how exciting that is. How empowering that is. It's not my job to get results. It's not my job to change the world. It's just my job to be faithful and to do what God has told me to do. That's what it means to be a participant of the kingdom of God. Think about the intentionality each moment gets. We're not wasting time. We're not killing time. We're not just buying time. No, we're investing intentionally into each moment because we believe, man, oh man, I'm going to be faithful in these little moments 
And this little moment could turn into a God moment. God could show up. God could change the world. God could change a heart. God could change a life. And I get to participate in that. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now for us. And I pray for anybody right now watching that, that right in this moment just wants to make a decision to follow you. Jesus, as, as John declared, you came to set us free of our sin. You came to forgive us of our sin, pay the price for our sin, to make us and restore us into relationship with God, with you. I pray right now for anybody, God, that it hasn't been following you, that's been living their own life, that, that, that right now we just confess our sin to you. We confess our selfishness. We can set, confess our life to you. I ask you to be the king of our life. Forgive us of our brokenness and give us a fresh start. And I pray for all of us, God, that you would help us, whether we've been following you for years or just in this moment, that you, God, would be the one to continue to show up, continue to empower us. Holy Spirit, empower us to be faithful in the little things. Faithful in what you've called us to do. And to trust that you will be the one who is fruitful. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you'd like more information regarding Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.